I want to go to Isaiah 53 tonight. It's a, pr- a privilege to read the first verse. It's one of my favorites. I know I say that every time I preach. But this has got to be one of, the, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Amen. I like them all. I mean, but you've just got to read this here. Listen to this. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Oh, my goodness. I want to preach for just a little while here this evening. And I already have felt the faith, the spirit of faith ushered into this room. I felt the spirit of infirmity running for its life. I felt the Holy Ghost moving in this place, searching for faith. Because if it finds faith, it will rest. It will stay there. It will do a work. Because we're going to leave with great miracles tonight. Let me preach on this subject. Whose report will you believe? And then the song says, We shall believe the report of the Lord. But I'm not a singer, so don't ask me. This guy, when he sings, is it Brother Jeff? Yeah. He makes you want to try to sing. When he sings, you just think you can sing. And I'm out back there thinking I can sing. And then when he stops, and you just hear me. And I go, oh, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Keep singing, Brother Jeff. It makes me sound so much better. Ah, we've had a great weekend. In the name of Jesus, let your precious power flow through this house once again. As we prepare our hearts, minds, souls for the word to be planted somewhere deep in our spirit. Plant a word. Speak a word. For if you ever speak a word, it is done. And we receive it tonight in the name above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Please be seated in the beautiful presence of the Lord. I know that the enemy's voice is loud. And it's very prevalent in the ears of people in these last days. And we can't do anything about that evil voice making it to the exterior of our eardrums. But we can do something about that voice settling in our mind. You don't even have to tell me what the devil is saying. I know what he sounds like. He sounds like fear. He sounds like doubt. He sounds like disbelief. He sounds like negativity. He sounds like uncertainty. He sounds like dread. He sounds like anxiety. He sounds like panic. And if we don't stop it, his voice can permeate through our life and it can reach our heart until our faith begins to crumble. But I've made my mind up. There is no room for the devil's voice in my life. Somebody say that. There is no room for the devil's voice in my life. I know what the adversary is saying. You're defeated. You're weak. You're not going to make it. Your prayers are not powerful. Your ministry will fail. Your child will never be saved. Your body is never going to be healed. You're never going to be free of the things that bind you. But I've come to this pulpit tonight to ask you, whose report will you believe? Because there is another voice that is proclaiming, you are victorious. 
You are strong. You are going to make it. Your prayers are powerful. Your ministry is anointed. Your child is going to be full of the Holy Ghost. Your healing is on the way. You're going to be loosed and set free. Paul said, talks about the exceeding greatness of his power to those that believe. Why would you listen to the voice of a lying devil when you can have all of God's power available to you right now? Anybody else in the room, we can measure their power. We can measure your intellectual power. It's called your IQ. We can measure your physical power. We just throw you in a weight room and we start adding weights until you can't do it any longer. We can measure the power of your memory. We can test you by giving you something to read and then ask you questions about what you just read. But when it comes to God's power, it's impossible to measure the power of Almighty God. Because we have never found anything that is greater than His power. If you weigh 200 pounds and your scales go only to 100 pounds, we will never be able to tell how much you weigh. Because your weight exceeds the greatness of the scale. When you start talking about God, hell has never manufactured anything that ever challenged God's power. Satan has never come up with an infirmity that God cannot heal. Satan has never produced a circumstance that God cannot pull you through. Satan has never come up with a curse that God cannot break. Whose report will you believe? got to learn to listen to the voice of God in these last days. We've got to learn to cue in and key in, focus in to the voice of the Lord. I was raised in a home with an alcoholic father. If you think I'm messed up now, you should have seen me as a kid. I saw things a child should never have to see. I witnessed things in my home, in my family that, uh, that I should never have had to witness. I went through things as a child that a child should never go through. In my home was cursing and violence. In my home was lewdness and perverseness and turmoil. I saw my father drunk more than I saw him sober. The police were called to our home often. They knew my name. They knew our family's names. They knew my father's names. Our father's name, he's, they would tell him, Jack, come on and get in the car. The furniture would be out in the front yard. There would have been some type of fight with some family member, and he would be arrested. My mother would dress us kids every Sunday morning and put us in that old Chevy Impala, take us to the greater First Pentecostal Church of Alexandria, pastored by Sister Vesta G.A. Mangan. And I don't know what church was to other people, but to my family, 
Church was a sanctuary. Church was a sanctuary. Coming out of turbulent emotional chaos and fighting and confusion. When we went to church, there was nothing like the peace that we felt. I cannot tell you how much I love the church. I cannot explain to you and express to you in any human words just what this place means to me. The soothing that the worship would bring. As the beautiful music from anointed hands and anointed voices began to permeate the atmosphere. Don't forget what you do in the house of God, Brother Jeff, for so many people. The soothing presence of God would just be like a salve that would flow from the top of my head over my body. and It would numb all of the issues. For just a moment, I'd forget about all of the pain and all of the problems that waited me back home. And would soothe my soul for just a few moments every Sunday. We didn't go to church because we wanted Jesus. We went to church because we needed Jesus. And Bishop G.A. and Sister Vesta Mangan would preach and the Word would wash our minds. And every week, hope was renewed. I cannot express to you what the church has meant to me and my family. And I don't think you would be here on Sunday night, but you might be listening on media, so let me say something to you. If you come to me and you say something negative about the church, then you're in for a fight. Not physical fight, but I don't know, I can't tell you how messed up I am. You know, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll tell you this. I'm not going to stand there and listen to you bash the church that brought so much precious peace to my life. There is nothing like the church. Somebody comes to me and starts complaining about the church. I said, you need to hold on just a minute. You've come to the wrong person. You, you need to go to somebody else. Just, you reached the wrong guy right here. Because I love the church. All I remember of my family, my father's family, is that all the men in my father's family, all the Weber men were alcoholics. I never forget going to my uncle's homes. He had a number of brothers. We went to their homes in Texas. And when I was a little kid, every time I went to their homes, I'll never forget all my uncles. They'd always be holding uh, an alcoholic beverage. They were always drinking, and I didn't think much of it. My father did the same thing. But I realized they were all alcoholics. My father used to tell me, a little bit about his father. He didn't talk much about him. He wouldn't open up. But on occasion, I got him to say a few words. And he, on occasion, said that his father was an alcoholic. And I thought, hold on a minute. If I'm not an alcoholic, but every male Weber in my family before me has been alcoholics, then what's the difference in my life? The only difference between me and my father, and my uncles, and my grandfather was when I was 10 years old. I walked down an aisle on this side of the church and came down, and back then they had these old-fashioned altars. 
made with, they were covered with the same carpet, amen, that the pews were covered with. And I wrapped my arms at 10 years of age. I wasn't praying for bicycles. Some other kids were praying for toys and stuff. When I wrapped my arms around that altar, I said, God, I want the Holy Ghost. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be like my daddy. I don't want to be like my uncles. I don't want to be like my grandfather. God, I want the Holy Ghost. And for over an hour, I prayed. Sunday school teachers came by and prayed for me. My family walked, uh, came by and prayed for me. They stuck behind me. By, they finally resided on the pew and I was by myself crying and weeping and praying for the Holy Ghost. Brother Mangan came down and prayed for me. One hour later, all of a sudden, this innocent child, his lips began to quiver. The Bible calls those stammering lips. And all of a sudden, I began to speak a heavenly language. Let me tell you, you can fool some people, but you don't go fool yourself. Amen. I know that when I was 10 years of age, I began to speak in another language. I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And the only difference today between me and my father and me and my uncles and me and my grandfather is the Holy Ghost. But let me say it like this. The Holy Ghost is what makes the difference. Can I get a witness in this place that there's nothing like the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost will make the difference in your life. And my children are full of the Holy Ghost. And my grandkids are in church and they're going to get the Holy Ghost. You can change everything if you stop listening to the negative reports of the adversary and believe the promises of God. It'll turn everything around. Everything the enemy ever did. God says, I'm greater than that. I'm greater than generational curses. Stop using the excuse that my mama did this and my grandma did this or my father did this and my great-grandfather and this all the way down and so I'm just going to be like that. That's true if you never met God. But nothing has ever met God and been greater than God. Look at your neighbor and say, He's greater. We've never been able to find the limits of our God. The psalmist David, he couldn't do it. He concluded, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Moses wrote, in the beginning, God. Because he could not write in God's beginning. So he just said, let me just go back as far as I can. Before there were nations, before there were continents, before there were waterways that began to appear on the earth, before the wind began to blow over the terrestrial earth, before there was planets and solar systems, before the sun shone, began to light up the galaxy. Before all of that, God stands alone all by Himself. Moses wrote, in the beginning, God. Before there was a Michael, before there was a Gabriel, before there was an archangel, there was God standing all by Himself. And that God standing all by Himself on absolutely nothing had a thought. And out of the gross depths of His thoughts, He spoke. And God said, let there be. And when God said, let there be, 
it became what he said. You need to tune out all of the other voices. And you need to hear what God is saying to you tonight. Because it will change everything in your life. Do you have any idea how much power God has made available to you right now? Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus is trying to get us to understand just how much power is waiting on us. Here it is. For verily I say unto you. He's talking to you tonight. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Be thou removed. And be thou cast. Here's something very important. Into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Did you notice that God chose a mountain as his example? Why a mountain? Look at Mount Everest. The world's highest mountain and perhaps the world's most dangerous mountain. Over 29,000 feet. Oxygen is so scarce that life is non-existent and breathing nearly impossible. Winds howl at speeds up to 165 miles an hour greater than a Category 5 hurricane. We understand that. Everest rises to 5 miles above the earth. Extended stays at such an altitude can lead to death. And every year, one out of every 30 people who try to climb Everest loses their life. Mauna Loa, located on the island of Hawaii, is the most massive mountain on earth with the volume of 74 trillion cubic meters. Enough material to fill the Grand Canyon 18 times. So if faith can move a mountain like that, then I tell you faith can heal your body. I tell you, faith can put your marriage back together. I tell you tonight under the unction of the Holy Ghost, faith can strengthen you in the struggle. Faith can bring your children back. Somebody needs to start speaking to the mountain. You need to start believing there's nothing bigger than my God. There's nothing greater than my God. Faith can work out any circumstances in your life. Uh, have you ever wondered why Elijah chose a mountain to climb so that he could watch the promised rain? Remember? What Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. That is the key. You can't pray with faith without expectation. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Notice. 
Jesus never said the mountain would be destroyed. That's our interpretation. Not God's. We think if the thing is not removed and destroyed, that God is not at work. He just said it would be removed and cast away. But look where he said cast it. Into the sea. The mountain isn't destroyed. It sinks in the sea. Jesus is trying to get the mountain out of your sight. Let me put it like this. You've got to get your mountain below sea level. Whatever voices out there bringing the cloud of doubt and fear into your mind, I come against it in the name of Jesus. With the voice of His Word. There's not a person in this room tonight that God doesn't want to bring you a supernatural miracle. But the devil would love to obstruct your vision. Put a mountain in front of you so you cannot see God's Word at work. The enemy wants us to face life with fear and apprehension because fear is one of Satan's favorite weapons. Fear is doubt's first cousin. Fear and doubt work against faith to keep a person imprisoned by their limitations. There are some among us tonight who are under attack of fear right now. In this room, there are some that are under attack of the enemy that has sprinkled doubt, seeds of unbelief in your midst. They're being threatened by words like divorce, job loss, failure, health problems, and overwhelming circumstances. Because the devil wants us to focus on our mountain. But I won't to say to you tonight what Jesus said to Jairus in Mark chapter 5 and verse 36. When Jairus had just gotten the word, leave the master alone, don't bother him anymore, your child has died. Right there, Jairus was placed in a position to turn around and go home or to turn toward Jesus and continue to believe. And here's how I know he had a choice. Because immediately when that servant told Jairus that his daughter had died and it's no, there's no hope for you anymore, immediately Jesus, who was dealing with the crowd, dealing with the woman with the issue of, the blo of blood, healing her body, even in his omniscience, he knew what was going on behind him with Jairus and the servant. He didn't need to hear with his earthly ears. He was God robed in flesh. He whirls around and he says, Jairus, whatever, read the Bible. Whatever you do, don't stop believing. And then he turned back around and kept dealing with the audience. I've got a word for somebody in this room. Whatever you do, 
Whatever you do, don't stop believing. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God's word. Don't stop believing. Believe that God's about to do it. Believe that God's about to say it. Believe that God's about to speak it. Believe that you're about to see it. I don't know if you feel what I feel up here. I, I know sometimes it's just the anointing of being preacher, a preacher of the word. But I feel an anointing in this place that's beyond the pulpit. I feel something working in here. I feel, I feel a drawing presence of God that's trying to tug on somebody's soul. Tug you right through the issues that are perplexing your mind and confusing you and trying to draw out some type of connection so you can hear the voice of God. Speak to you so you can speak to your mountain. You see, we get to a place where we want God to do the speaking. And we're going to wait until it happens. Not according to God's word. God says, you speak to the mountain. You know why? Because when the mountain moves and the miracle takes place, you're going to go, whoa, I didn't do that. And then God says, that's right. And you go to God. Be the glory. I spoke. God did it. I proclaimed faith. All I had to do is believe. And God steps down into my issue. He rebukes fear and doubt and all of the things that have tried to hinder my faith. And then the miraculous is ushered in. Because that is in control by God. And He walks the miraculous right into your life. Because you have gotten the mountain below sea level. And now you can see the beautiful promises of God. By my stripes you are healed. By my stripes, you are healed. I pray God finishes the work in Karen tonight, my brother. What he started, he's going to finish in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, right where she is. Let her feel strength in her bones. Let her feel strength in the cells of her body. Where MS has attacked where MS has crippled, I rebuke and I bind along with this congregation tonight. That dreadful disease, by your stripes, Lord, we are healed. We stand on your word. You, we're not asking you to speak a word, Lord. You have already spoken it. We are believing what you've already said. In the name of Jesus. Lazarus' two sisters lost him. They were devastated. Heavy grief. 
And before Lazarus had died, they had sent for Jesus. Most of us know the story. We've got to get Jesus here before this thing becomes impossible. But why do we need Jesus if we can do it? We want Him to save us from the impossible before we ever have the impossible. But it's the impossible that makes way for Jesus. So Jesus waits. In fact, He told His disciples, Jesus, aren't we going to see Lazarus? He's sick. We just got the letter, the email. Just saw it on Twitter. And Jesus says, not yet. And then a little later they say, Jesus, it's too late. Lazarus has died. He goes, I know. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. Read the Bible. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. And we would think, how, how selfish and how, how unkind, but not to a God who knows the end from the beginning. And we tell God, just like Mary and Martha, approach Jesus when He's now arriving. He says, let's go now. It's too late. He has died. Let's go now. And they arrive and Mary and Martha, they, they meet Him. And first it's Mary and she says, Oh, Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Just been here a little earlier. She was quickly getting bitter. She didn't say, thank you for coming, Lord. Thank you for stepping into my life and feeling your presence. I, I just needed you here. Thank you. She didn't say that. But she said, if you had just been here earlier, you're late. If you weren't so late, this wouldn't have happened. She didn't have the faith to understand that just because life has put you on pause, it doesn't have the power to stop you altogether. Periodically during your life, you hit turbulent places. And if you're not careful, bitterness will creep into your life and make you feel like things are over. A series of losses will affect how you feel about yourself and how you see life. And even how you trust God. Jesus, if you had just been here earlier, my brother would not have died. And Jesus, speaking in the present, is misunderstood as speaking in the future. He says, I am the resurrection. Isn't I am? Isn't I am in the present? I am the resurrection and the... Not I will be. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he is dead, yet shall he... I know, Jesus, what you're talking about, she says. I know, I know about the resurrection that's coming. I know my brother's going to get up out of that grave. I know. Future tense. She had faith in the future. She had faith in the past if you had been here. But the most important faith she needed was faith in the present. And so, the lack of right now faith affects your attitude. When you stop believing that God is going to operate in the here and now, then you start fighting the only one who can help you because you give up too soon. But look what Jesus says to Mary. Show me 
other words, take me to the place where you stopped believing. We've got to go right back to that place. Because right there I cannot get farther than where you stop believing. But if you will believe again. Tonight, you need to take the power of God to the place in your life where you stop believing, where you were fractured, where you were hurt, where something happened that pulled your faith out of you. You need to take God right back there and say, God, restore unto me my faith. Praise God. God's talking to us about our faith tonight. Because if there's anything the adversary is going to do in these last days is work our faith over. Pandemics. Social issues. Economic problems. All types of issues in life. Your faith is going to be in a fight if it's not already. In fact, the Lord says, when I return, will I find faith? Because faith is the most precious commodity in your life. And whatever you do, don't stop believing. For years, I I close with this. For years, I've had two degenerative discs in my back and did not know it. In my 40s, it began to give me much pain. A couple of times a year at first, my back... And those that had back problems, you understand when I say this, my back would go out. That meant that you were debilitated for a moment. Mine was for a week at a time when my back would go out. Severe pain and I could not move and I would just stay still for one week. And after about a week, I was able to get back and get going again. Well, this would happen at first a couple of times a year. But when I crossed into my 50s, it began to bother me monthly. And I never knew when it would happen. It could be doing. It could happen while I was doing such menial, menial things. It could be I just reached out for a doorknob. Uh, it got to where I just turned the wrong way. Just something I would normally do, and that that pain would shoot through my back, and I would be just just I would have to go down and rest, and for about a week I, I could not do anything at all, and uh, it it was it was just immobilizing. It was messing. My whole life and my schedule was just upside down. And then toward the end of January 2016, it got so bad that I could not stand up for longer than 8 to 10 minutes. If I stood up longer than 8 to 10 minutes doing anything, just standing there, then that pain would enter my back. And I, In fact, I remember coming off the platform a number of times after preaching and I would be afraid to sit down because you did not want to bend at all. But I remember I I would sit down and all of a sudden here's that pain and I would have men, the ministers would pull my legs straight so that I, I could get that back straight and at least for a moment get a little bit of relief. I'll never forget they prayed over me at district conference. I usually preached on church growth for many years, every district conference and I told Brother Cox, I said, Brother Cox, I, I can't preach this year. I can only stand for about eight minutes. He says, give me eight minutes. So I did. I gave him eight minutes and then it, it just went a little longer, maybe 15. And I just couldn't, couldn't stop. I was so pumped up. And, but when I got out and I went down and we went out and I was getting in the car, Karen remembers, 
I was getting in the car. I feared getting in the car because I would have to bend, move my back. And my back went out. I'll never forget trying to straighten out in that car and just screaming. It got to where I had to approach my church on a Sunday. And I said, folks, listen, I don't understand what's going on, but I've, I've made a decision. I can't preach just like this for eight minutes. And I can't, I can't be controlled like this. So until I get it under control and I find an answer, I'm going to step away from the pulpit. My son at that time was assisting me and he started preaching. He, was, he just did a great job. So uh, I, it even got so bad, I feared to sneeze. Just sneezing, my back would go out. And uh, I said, please, don't judge me for sitting down in service. When I come to church, I'll be on the front row right there. Please, don't judge me. I'm, I'm going to be right there worshiping, I promise you, but I'm, I can't stand. And they were so understanding. They were so loving and kind to us. So during that time, I started seeing a neurologist. I wanted to know what I was facing, what I was up against. And for several months, they did a series of, of uh, steps. They said, this is the first thing we need to try, and if that doesn't work, we'll do this. And if that doesn't work, then you're going to face surgery, and there's no guarantee about surgery either. In fact, it could reverse this to make it much worse. And I was, I was in this time of my life, called to preach, called to pastor, I, I couldn't do anything. I would just sit everywhere I go and watch. Couldn't partake of any activities. And I and I remember in the place where they gave me injections, they you would lay down on a table, face down in this table, and you would hold on, and they would put these six-inch needles in your back all the way to your spine. They were supposed to deaden it most of the time. You weren't supposed to feel it. But I could feel it was so much pain. In fact, I was pulling on that table so hard one time that the neurologist told me, Mr. Weber, you've got to let go of the table. You're going to tear our equipment up. I was, I was in so much pain. And this, these, they would shoot some type of, of deadening chemical into your right next to your spine. And it was supposed to possibly begin to numb and deaden the uh, nerves and muscles around that area of those those vertebrae and he did three sets of those at different times and none of them worked I was so disappointed in fact I would go to the doctor and the doctor would ask me uh, this is their regular questionnaire every year at the at the uh, your your physical and he would say uh, he'd go down the list uh, you smoker you a drinker uh, you blah, blah. he'd go down here are you have you been depressed and I'd always say no, but I had been. A dark cloud came over my head. I'm telling you, I would weep. I would say, God, now how can I do what you've called me to do if I can't even stand up? I can't go on vacation. I, I can't. We were going to take the kids over here to Orlando. Our grandkids are now old enough and they, they'd be there that age where we would have fun. I couldn't go to Disney World. I couldn't stand up. I, we were having to plan every event that we did and everything we did. We were having to plan around how long it would take me to stand. And then all of a sudden the negative voices began to scream in my ears. Face the facts. 
You can't even stand for more than eight minutes. You can't even plan a vacation where you want to walk with your family. You can't even carry out your ministry. And I'm not a negative person, but a spirit of depression descended down upon me. And I felt like my ministry was over and I I felt like life as I knew it was over. Because that's what all the negative reports that I was listening to were saying. And there were times when I was alone and I would weep and I would question God. God, why are you not healing my body? If you are able, how come I am not healed? And I started getting a spirit that was connected to all the negative voices that I was listening to. And I thought, hold on a minute. If I've got the power of the Holy Ghost, why am I leaning on the depressed spirit and the negative voices and the negative reports that are coming into my life? So I began to spend more time in prayer. I'd get up much earlier in the morning and I would go to prayer and I would just be, I would pray the Psalms and I would pray the Scriptures and I would read the Word of God and I would go down the promises of God. And one day when I was in my office praying, I told God, God, you would not call me to do something that I'm unable to do. So evidently you're doing something I don't understand. So God, if I have to preach from a chair, I will preach from a chair and I will do what you've called me to do. I will be the best I can be with my family because I cannot do anything about this issue in my life. And if you choose not to, then I will be the best eight-minute standing guy that you've ever seen. And my church and my ministry, I will give it all I've got with what I've got. And right there, I felt the heaviness leave. I felt the spirit of depression just lift off of my life and off of the the heaviness off of my heart. And all of a sudden I thought, this is not the will of God for me to be depressed. So I began to spend, spend a lot of time in faith and studying the Word of God in faith and believing that God was going to do some great things in me and through this situation. And faith began to be restored in my spirit. It's as if God was waiting for me to tune out all the negative voices and just listen to what He was saying. So I told our church, we are not going to have a drama or a musical on Easter Sunday. They kept waiting on me to give direction, just release them to plan. And I kept holding off. I kept waiting. And it was up against the the, the backs were against the wall. The clock was ticking. It was just about Easter. And I said, no, what we're going to do is have a miracle Easter Sunday. It's going to be a healing service. And so on Easter Sunday morning, we leased the student union ballroom at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And we worshiped and we filled that place. And we had a prayer line. That lasted over two hours. People came through that line. They were healed immediately. People came through that line and they were called into ministry. People came through that line and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I was the very first person that they prayed for. I was sitting in a chair. I had a big back brace on. They, gave, they, they set up a, a bar stool for me to sit a little higher so I could pray for everybody coming through the prayer line. So I was sitting on that bar stool and I said, I want y'all to pray for me first. I can't go through the line, but y'all gather around me. So they gathered around me and prayed for me. I wish I could tell you I felt that warm oil people talk about. You know, or, or somebody heard something or a rumbling or saw a flashing light, but nothing happened. It was just a beautiful prayer. And of course, I could feel the presence of God. And if you have the Holy Ghost, that's a natural thing. Maybe a supernatural thing. And so I'm sitting there and I, they prayed for me and I was so thankful. With the back brace on, sitting in the stool, we prayed for hundreds of people for over two hours power of God fell in that place. People were focused. People were hungry. People were, had expectation. And so, the next day, I get up. My grandson, he says, he calls me buddy. He says, buddy. It's because I had a grand, grandpa uh, stigma, fear, and I didn't want anybody to call me grandpa. So I said, call me buddy. So my grandkids call me buddy. And so, he says, buddy. Can you take me to Toys R Us? I said, yes, but you've got eight minutes to find a toy. <laughs> See, I knew this thing would come in handy. Eight minutes to find a toy. You've got eight minutes. I'm going to be just walking around the aisles. And, and so we got there. He was just running the aisles. And every once in a while, I'd walk down the aisle. I'd see him cross like that, you know. And uh, I would be trying to find him. I'd, I would see him cross over here. And I would try to find him. And finally... I found him and he, he said, buddy, you got to help me decide. And uh, he lined up about five different toys on the floor in this aisle. And I was standing there looking at all of them. He says, buddy, help me decide. I said, you got to hurry up. It's, oh, I'd been standing for 15 minutes. And I went, oh no. I knew what was about to happen. And I was looking for a chair. I literally, I literally sat down in the aisle so I could get ready to stretch my legs out and bear and embrace for the pain when all of a sudden nothing happened I stood back up I called my wife I said honey I said you won't believe this I have no pain in my back I've been walking around Toys R Us for 45 minutes I said, I'm coming to get you. We're going to go walking around Field and Stream. I know she loves that. Amen. We walked another hour around Field and Stream. That was four years ago. I haven't been back to the doctor. I haven't had any more pain. God healed my body. You've got to stop listening to the negative voices. You've got to start believing that God is for you. God's power is for you. He's speaking to you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be ye healed in the name of Jesus whatsoever you ask in my name faith believing I will do it 
God's telling somebody, I need you to believe right now. I need you to hear my voice right now. I need you to have faith right now. Somebody asked me, do you play golf? I said, I used to. It's before my back started giving me problems. I just never got back to it. There's some things in this house. The issue is not can God. The issue is not will God. The issue is will you. The man came to Jesus. His son had been casting himself into the water. Had been gnashing at his teeth. He was was in a terrible stricken state. And the man began to complain to Jesus. He says, your disciples. <laughs> you know, they tried to pl- pray for him. And, you know, they weren't very powerful. Look, there he is right there. He's just, he's, he's pitiful. He's not healed. He's still totally bound by this spirit of infirmity and demons. And, and your, 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 your disciples, they, they're not very powerful. And then he looked at Jesus and he shouldn't have done this. He said, but Lord, if you are able. Now we would take that as a compliment. He looked at the Lord, he says, if you're able. And God, robed in flesh, said, hold on a minute. No, no, no. The onus is not on me. He turned around, he says, no, if you believe. It's not can God. It's not will God. It's not is God able. He's looking at you and he's saying, he's saying, will you believe? Because if you believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Oh, praise God. I can't answer for anybody else, but I believe. I believe. Lord, I don't know about anybody else, but I believe tonight. I believe for my home. I believe for my family. I believe for my body. I believe for my ministry. I believe. I believe. I believe. Does anybody believe? Does anybody believe? Here's one. Does anybody believe? Here's one. Does anybody believe? Here's some right here. Does anybody believe? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God's going to find some fertile soil in this house. He's going to find a place right here in this room right now where faith is activated, where the power of God's will is going to be done in your life. Here's another one. There's another one. There's more right there. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 
I come against blood disease. I come against back pain. I come against sickness right now and disease and infirmity. Malady of every kind. I come against every negative report. I come against every false report. I come against every negative voice. I hear the sound. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. It's coming because God said it was coming. My healing is here. My deliverance is here. My answer is here. If you'll let your voice out, receive what God has for you right now. I believe. Blood pressure problems, you've got to leave right now. Jesus come on you don't even need a preacher to lay his hands on you although that's one method their shadow just touched people and they were healed come on you're in the presence of a mighty God your faith can activate the miraculous If you need the Holy Ghost, there is not a greater miracle available to you than that tonight. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Ha <laughs> ah, Some of you have impossible circumstances. You're facing things right now that are just impossible. They're overwhelming. But God said, give them to me. God said, cast them on me. God said, throw them at my feet. I'll make a way. If I have to part the Red Sea for you. without any music without any fanfare without anything else right now would you release your voice I want you to speak faith I want you to proclaim faith I want you to proclaim healing I want you to proclaim anointing I want you to proclaim deliverance
in the name of Jesus if it is proper I want you to lay your hand on your neighbor maybe on their shoulder maybe on their back would you pray a prayer of faith for them so often our neighbor is so so covered by issue that it's tough and they're fighting through to have faith But he said, if I could get a couple, to couple that would bind anything together, it could be accomplished. So we're going to bind and we're going to release. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 chains are falling I feel like something's breaking in the spirit come on in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus it's not too great for God it's not too big for him
Isn't God good? How many of you feel like the Lord touched you tonight? Amen. Use your voice every day to proclaim it. Get up every morning and say, I proclaim my healing in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you got to speak the voice of faith even when the feelings don't confirm it. you got to speak it even when you don't feel it. We believe that God's going to confirm His word. Whenever you uh, know that God has touched you and you want to share that testimony, make sure you let our front office know. I'd love for us to get a positive report line going because faith is contagious. Let's share it. Some of you remember that a few weeks ago I told the story about how I felt God uh, touched me over here coming down these stairs as I was leaving on a Sunday morning to go back to the Welcome Center and felt like the Lord just put his hand on my shoulder and said, don't leave and so I sat down and just lingered in the presence of God. And I was talking with uh, Bishop Dr. Myers and uh, our staff a little bit about that. And we feel like that that's part of what God's leading us to is to spend some time lingering in the presence of God. So starting in January, we're going to do something called Reverse Church. On the first Sunday of January in the evening, a Sunday evening, we're going to do this once a month throughout the course of 2022 but in the evening and Sunday evening we're going to have reverse church and what we mean by that is that the whole service 
preliminaries, preaching, offering, all of that, even the worship, the singing, all of that's going to be 30 minutes. And then we're just going to linger in the altar for an hour. We're just going to pray. We're going to linger in the presence of God. We're going to pray for one another. And we're believing that God's going to give us a great healing. Hallelujah. Heal broken spirits, broken hearts, broken minds, broken bodies, broken promises. God's going to restore a lot of things as we linger in His presence. And so this is something that we're uh, looking to institute as a part of our January calendar. So when you see reverse church on the calendar here in a couple of weeks, when you get the January calendar, you'll know what that's referring to. Amen. God's going to help us. Do you believe that? I'm looking forward to a great season, holiday season, when we're going to have a great opportunity to witness to our neighbors, invite them to come out and be in church because we're not just going through the motions here. We're involved in a supernatural demonstration of the power of God to change people's lives. It's not us. It's not by power or strength. It's by the Spirit of God. And God's at work here. And so invite them. you got a couple of weeks here. We can have a great time with all these activities and services. And uh, God will bless it. And then we're going to go into the new year with a renewed thrust on evangelism. Focus on what God is doing in these last days. And I hope that you'll be a part of it. Amen. Why don't we just dismiss in prayer tonight? I just feel such a great warmth and love of the Holy Ghost that's here. Would you just lift your hands and your voice right now? Would you just thank the Lord? Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you came down and sat with us. We felt like we've been sitting at a table with you, Lord. You've allowed us to feast with you. We have feasted on your word. We've feasted on your presence. And Lord, we have felt that touch from your holy power upon our lives. Lord, make us vessels of honor, instruments of praise that you can use. Let us be invisible, God, that you would be visible, that you would be high and lifted up. And if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men nigh. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord, with our thanksgiving, with our worship, with our praise, with our adoration, Lord. We exalt the name of Jesus. We will believe the report of the Lord. You're our Savior. You're our healer. And we claim it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.